You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, kill the music, kill the music. Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, today, guys, is going to be kind of a quick episode. I'm trying to throw this together. Obviously, it's Saturday. Um, you guys are probably going to have this drop around noon. It's uh, roughly 6 o'clock in the morning where I'm at. I want to get up early and get you guys a pod out before I hit the road. We're going to Lexington to watch the uh, Kentucky Wildcats play the South Carolina Gamecocks. And uh, let's hope Will Levis's finger is is back in place. Of course, Coach Stoops isn't saying anything. He's basically uh, hasn't ruled anyone out. Not sure what that means. Um, he, <laughs> he said, I'm definitely not going to let South Carolina know what we're doing. So we may see the uh, red shirt freshman step in, I believe, uh, He's from right there in state in Kentucky. Can't remember his name. Dude looks like he's nine years old. So let's hope Will Levis is healthy. And and really, that was the whole purpose of the trip was to watch him and Rodriguez, their running back play, two of which are, are both uh, NFL prospects. There's probably more on the field than that. I just haven't followed it close enough. But hearing Greg Cosell rave over uh, Will Levis, we wanted to kind of get a, I don't know, a firsthand look at at what he can do and that type of stuff. So you guys will probably see some tweets going out here shortly. But with that being said, um, we are going to go ahead and announce before we get into our show here. First of all, on the show today, guys, we're going to cover a couple of different things. You know, James Jones sent a or Kay Adams sent a tweet out from her show Up and Adams. Um, really cool show, actually. I like Kay. Uh, she NFL, I don't know, NFL Network. Good morning, football just isn't the same without Kay, in my opinion. I I thought she was kind of the glue that held that thing together. You know, when when Nate Burleson was trying to act too cool and Kyle Brent you know, was running around like a rat on acid and Peter Schrager got a little too nerdy for me, a little too cheesy. Um, Kay just kind of brought it together. I thought, you know, and, and I loved, I loved her approach. She was so professional. It was like your little sister, you know, just talking football type thing. And uh, you never seen her running around, uh, you know, dressed uh, inappropriate. And you can see some of these shows where they just, they kind of, 
they try to pick the the most attractive lady, throw her out there, and put her in something skimpy, and that gets some views, that gets some listens. I get it, I understand, but I don't know. I just like Kay's approach. She's always been very professional, really, really cool. So, um, but anyway, on her new show, Up and Adams, um, she had James Jones on there. And he talked about the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk, touch on that just shortly because it's something I think we should hit on because I think a lot of people get a little a little bit uh, misinformed. Maybe their their viewpoint is a little skewed on, on what he means by being on the same page and when he talks about the why in the play. And uh, I actually dug up the play he was talking about. I'm not going to break that down too in-depth, but I think it's worth covering. We're going to hit on that. We're going to talk about Romeo Dobbs. You know, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Our last episode, we just did a quarterly evaluation. So we're going to talk about Romeo Dobbs' stats and his PFF grade. Because, you know, sometimes someone's got inflated stats. You look at the PFF grade, and you're like, wow, they, they shouldn't have that good of numbers. You know, he hasn't played that well. Maybe the quarterback's overplaying a little bit and vice versa. So we're going to kind of break that down and get a real feel for what Romeo Dobbs has done here early in this year. Um, we're also going to hit on the injury report one last time there, uh, going into London against the New York Giants. Got some Daniel Jones information. Um, and then we're going to wrap the show up with covering the NFC North standings and the NFC standings as a whole and uh, kind of give you an idea of where the league sits right now four games in. And we're going to look ahead to the four games coming up on the Packers schedule. So with that being said, first of all, I want to say this. We have a new – um, giveaway that we just announced. Okay. And I'm really excited about this one. Um, this one means a lot to me. And, uh, first of all, if you're new to the show, you're hearing my voice, you're going, okay, what do you mean giveaway? Well, what I like to try to do on this show and, and I know others do it as well. And I try to keep up with those and help retweet and spread the word. Um, yeah, we talk football. Yeah, we talk Packers. Um, we're going to have a good time. We're going to get cut up. You know, we're going to cut up. You're going to hear me get angry from time to time. You're going to get all those things, right? But one thing we really try to key in on is making a difference. You know, we end every show with let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, right? And what does that mean? You know, I've had some people message me and they're like, I, you know, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. What can I do to help? Really, it just means reaching out to other people and doing it around large organizations, Doing it in a way that, you know, the government can't get their hands in the money. Doing it in a way that large churches can't get their hands in the money. I'm talking about rather than just, I don't want to say lazily because, you know, being lazy because it, it's kind of a, a negative connotation. <clears throat> you know, if you're giving, you're giving. That's awesome. But I like to do it in a way where it goes directly into someone's hands, a smaller organization, someone on the street, that type of thing. Just help people out. Um, but, you know, Ryan, uh, Pack Daddy himself uh, here with the Packernet podcast, his dad has got a, uh, a ministry. Right. And this isn't about getting holy. This isn't about being overly religious. This is strictly about helping people. And I've learned enough about um, what his dad is trying to accomplish, that it's very hands on and helping people and not just pointing them to a church and then handing an offering plate and say, give us money. It's more about. Uh, helping people get back on their feet, right? But uh, here's the tweet I sent out. I just said, giveaway alert. It's that time again. We're giving away an autographed Quay Walker jersey. All you have to do is give us a follow and a retweet and retweet this tweet, helping spread the word for this great cause. Every retweet will be entered once. Every $5 donated gets you an additional entry, okay? So this is very similar to what we do with Drew. We did with Drew's Seizure Service Dog, which you guys absolutely knocked it out of the freaking park want to say thanks again for that. Um, but his tweet says, it's been great. This is Ryan uh, Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp on Twitter. This is what he tweeted out. He said, it's been great supporting causes over the years with this podcast. Um, I'm excited to be able to support my dad and his ministry this year. If you're looking to give, I'd love if you consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Okay. And he's got a website there, fertilegroundranch.org forward slash give. 
Okay. So we've got to get really organized on this. All right. Um, so if you plan on giving towards that to be entered into this contest, and again, this Quay Walker jersey came from um came from pristine auction. I bought it myself. Okay, this uh, specific jersey just kind of give you an idea of the value of it. I bought it for $150 roughly. I think it was like $130 and some change with shipping. It was over $150. So we'll just call it $150 in value. Okay. It is a uh, a game, uh, a game, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, authentic, I guess, top jersey. It's a Beckett style jersey. Okay. It's important to know that. So you're not getting like the actual. Green Bay Packers jersey, but it looks very, very, very similar. The jerseys you've seen when we do our Chalk Talk segments or the post-game show and we're live on camera that are behind me, those are all Beckett-style jerseys. They are really clean. They look great. It's autographed by Quay Walker. Okay, so that's the giveaway, and that's how you get entered into that contest. So um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to email me. I know there's some people hearing my voice that don't fool with the cesspool that is Twitter. I completely get it. That was me forever, right? If you want to be entered in the contest, just shoot me an email and say, hey, man, I'd like to be entered, right? And then obviously, if you give to the organization from this point moving forward, that's going to get you entered into the contest. For every $5 you donate, that's one entry. You go If you donate $50, that's going to get you 10 entries, right? And then we'll put all those in. We'll spin the wheel. Obviously, it's just going to give you a better chance of winning that. And of course, it gives you an opportunity to uh, to go out and, um, and like I said, just support a good cause. You know, we had several people that entered the last contest. They said, I just want to give, if I win, give it to somebody else. That's the type of listeners we've got. And I absolutely love it. It's awesome. So wasted enough time with that. Not wasted time, but spent enough time on that, I should say. So guys, just like I said, go to my Twitter account. It's pinned at the top of the page. Retweet that tweet that enters you in. I literally had it go live less than two minutes ago, and we've already got five retweets. So this is going to go really good. I'm excited about it. Let's blow his mind with helping his ministry. Ryan told me he got a small donation not too long ago. I won't say the amount, <clears throat> but when Ryan said, when I found out how small the donation was and how excited he got, it was like, man, I, I I can do more than this, right? That's the attitude I'm going to have too. So we're going to kind of promote that moving forward. All right, let's move on now. Let's get to the show here. And uh, this was really, really cool. Let me pull up here and share my screen so you can actually hear it. That would be a big, big mistake. Um, This is James Jones on um, Up in Adams, right? And he kind of talked about the chemistry. And Kay does a great job with this interview. If you, if you haven't heard it, get a chance. Go check it out. She did a phenomenal job with it. Um, but here's what James Jones said about him and Aaron being on the same page and when that happened. And, and like I said, I actually went back and found it. It was week four, 2011. And we'll talk about, about the play here in just a second, a little bit more in detail. But uh, here is what he had to say. But was there a moment that you can think of specifically where you, oh, you knew, where you knew you had like yeah. where you knew he trusted you? Was what was there? Yeah. Was there a moment? That's what I'm looking for oh. from these guys. That moment, whether it's on the field, practice field, yeah. or everyone's making up all the stuff like Romeo Dobbs having lunch. Like, great, go take him for fish and chips <laughs> in London. Go if that's going to help. Like, what will yeah. help? And what was that moment for you? Yeah. So you know, obviously, like I said, it, it starts with practice and communicating, yeah. practice and being where you're supposed to be in practice, but. There's a play that me and Aaron still, whenever we get around each other till this day, we still talk about like, man, that was just a crazy moment to where we knew we were on the same page. So we were playing the Denver Broncos at home. And we have a play called Pepper, right? Okay. It's, it's, du it's double post, right? It's a beeline in the slot. It's a post route on the outside, right? But in the red zone, as a receiver, you must cross the corner's face. If the corner is off, 
you must cross his face to protect the throw for the quarterback, no matter where he's at in the red zone. Got it. So we line up, and the corner is 10 yards off, and I have a poster on the outside. The corner is at least three, four yards inside. And I'm like, there's no way <laughs> that I'm getting inside of him, and there's no way I'm even going to have a chance at getting the ball. So I said, you know what? I said, in my head, I said, F it. I'm just, I'm going behind him. I know I'm going to get beat up. It's going to be a missed assignment because I'm not protecting Aaron. I'm supposed to be going in front of him. But I said, man, I'm going to go behind him. And I planted and I went behind the DB and I seen the ball coming. And I said, this man just threw this ball. <laughs> I said, this man, and, it, and probably, and people, people have seen Aaron make a bunch of great throws, but to me, me and his connections, as much as we've done it, that's the greatest throw he's ever thrown to me. It was coming right behind the corner, uh, right in the honey hole for a touchdown. And I'm like, this dude good. But what when I mean? walked to the sideline, okay. I looked at him and I patted my chest like, bro, let me explain. My bad. He said, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. And then that's what I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how it happens. That's what we need. That's an amazing story. Wait, Wait, was there? All right, love it, love it. Now, let's talk about it a second because, you know, I tweeted that out and the majority of the responses on Twitter, you never know what you're going to get with Twitter. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, you could tweet out, have a nice day, and there's going to be two or three that come in there and tell you to go to, you know, where, right? It's just, it's an odd place. It really is. And I'm kind of, I'm so deep into it now. I mean, I think we've got like 2,700 followers and it's growing like crazy every single day. Um, I really enjoy it, though, because it's I mean, it's easy to mute people. It's easy to, you know, block them, although I try not to block people. But if somebody's just being a I mean, uh, a donkey's rear end, for lack of a better word, I'm going to I'm going to mute them. You know, I'm not I don't need that in my life. I got enough going on. I don't need another, you know, moron trying to explain to me how they know everything there is to know about the world. And they've got four followers and it's obvious it's a burner account and you just don't waste energy on that stuff. But um, when I tweeted it out, we've got a few negative, but for the majority, it was, res you know, positive responses. And But there was one guy that was like, this is why Aaron needs to be in practice. This is why Aaron needs to be, at, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, first of all, he did everything he said he was obligated to do. I don't know how. You know, it's amazing. These people try to paint him out to be a bad teammate. These people try to paint him out to be arrogant or, you know, I, I may get I may get uh, this podcast deleted for saying, but I'm going to say it. Shannon Sharp Sharp referred to him as a prick. You know the same Shannon Sharp that was accused of sexual assault, but that's uh, you know a topic for a different podcast. But they talk bad about him constantly. But then you get the teammates that come on and they tell these stories, right? And everything lines up with what Aaron says typically. You know, one of the things that Aaron said this offseason is this the, these type of things that we're talking about, you can't do this in practice. You can't do this in a preseason game. Everything's so vanilla, right? It, there's in no way, shape, or form is Matt LaFleur going to take that precious practice time and set it up so that they can have a too high look with inside leverage on that corner so that Aaron can work on Romeo Dobbs not running the route that the play was designed to do. Right. But what Aaron did say was it's about understanding the why, not the what of the play. And what do I mean by that? The why of the play. When I went back and watched the play, the thing that I noticed was 
James Jones realized if he if he ran across the face of that corner, it would have done absolutely nothing for the play. And when Aaron snapped the ball, he knew there was not going to be anything there. He looks right, then comes back left, and as he peeks left, he sees, oh, crap, James ran the post behind the corner. And he knows there's no help there. I can put this where only James can make this play. It's either that or a throwaway. That was literally what the play turned out being. And James knowing that James Jones knowing that if he runs the route that is designed in the play, he's taken completely out of the play and it's useless, right? Now, you heard him when he caught the pass. He was like, oh, crap, I'm going to get my lunch ate on the way back to the huddle. And Aaron looked at him and said, no, that's exactly what I want you to do. He's thinking outside of the box. He's, he's understanding the why of the play and not the what. Why do we do these things? And you cannot do that in practice. You can't. Yeah, Aaron could run a seminar in the offseason and get all his receivers together at a specific place and work on things like that. Absolutely. But let me ask you this. Did you go in on your job on Sunday and say, hey, you know what, boss, keep the money. Keep the money. Keep the check. I don't need it. No, you didn't. Because it's funny how we always try to spend other people's money. It's funny how we always try to criticize how much someone gave, you know, how little someone gave, even though they're probably given a hundred times the amount of the part. That's what I always love to follow these questions up with. I'm going to go on a little mini rant here. When people complain about, well, they've got the money to do that. They should have gave more. Okay. This is immediately my response. How much did you give this today? How much did you give this month? How much did you give this year? And I'm telling you right now, it's crickets. People go completely quiet. Because everybody wants to spend everybody else's money. Everybody wants to spend everybody else's time, right? Why don't you shut up and focus on what you can do and go be the change that you want to see in the world? It's that simple. And I, I meld those two concepts together because it's exactly the same thing. It's why Aaron Aaron needs to be in you know every single offseason activity. You know, there was a time when he was. Guys, listen, I'm 40 years old. And with what I do in one of my businesses, it's a pretty physical grind every day. And that's part of why I continue to do it. I could pay someone else to do that project, but I'm looking up going, dude, you're 40 now. This is something that's going to keep you in tip top shape, right? And keep you really keyed in on your diet and staying in all those things. Why not go ahead and do it, right? But I'm telling you right now at 40 years old, it's hard to get through the day sometimes. It's like, man, I'm going to take, I'm going to have to take that, you know, I I do two miles uh, three times a week is, you know, one of the exercises I do three, a two mile run three times a week. I'm like, man, I better take that. I better take that to four times a week now because I'm getting a little bit older. So I understand that these older players are like, man, you know, listen, I understand what's going on in the offense. I understand what's going on with the scheme. Can I just take a little bit of extra time off? I'll continue to play. I get it now. Ten years ago, I, I was right there in the boat going, man, they just need to be in there practicing. So it's okay for everyone to agree to disagree on those subjects. I just – I don't like it when it's burner accounts and people that are obviously not Packer fans who just want to come in and try to paint a negative picture of Aaron Rodgers in that. Listen, there's a lot of things I disagree with with Aaron Rodgers. A lot of stuff, um, you know, I guess spiritually you could say a lot. I remember I, it was when he first came out and said he was going vegan, he was going to stay away from dairy. I got mad. I was young. <laughs> How stupid does that sound, right? Milk. <laughs> I'm mad over milk. But I was like, come on, dude, you play in the dairy state. Like, if anything, you should be trying to support the farmers and promoting that stuff. And here you're saying I stay away from it. And I got kind of mad about it. There's a lot of things that I disagree with that he does. 
But as you get older, you go, you know what? That's none of my business. It's none of my business what he thinks is important. It's none of my business what he thinks, um, you know, he should spend his time on or his money on, right? Again, I think we've all been guilty of it. But I wanted to mention that clip because what he's talking about there is exactly what Aaron Rodgers has said. And once again, it's a former – Jordy Nelson will say the same thing. Now, how, do, how does a, a player like Romeo Dobbs get on that same page like James Jones, right? You freaking study. You study the playbook. You study the game. You study film. And when Aaron talks about people like Jeff Janis and these guys that have come and gone, and <clears throat> you can tell he didn't like them, it's because he realized they weren't putting in the time watching the film. You know, it, to me – it's a very lazy argument for someone, and not a player specifically, but the fan side of the argument to come out and go, well, Aaron should spend more time with them. Why should Aaron spend more time with a player, right, when he can tell they're not even watching film in their off time? <clears throat> Kyler Murray over there playing Call of Duty and not worrying about the film, right, not worrying about the game plan. So James Jones understood the why of the play and not just the what, Aaron Rodgers appreciated that. Now Aaron Rodgers knows when he comes to the line of scrimmage with someone like a James Jones, he's going, okay, James, you see that, right? You you you, you see that three-step inside leverage, right? And the corner playing 10 yards off. Don't don't try to don't try to run that route normal. Get behind him. Got it. And I, I'm saying that as if they're communicating in words, but it's just a look. Like, you see that? Like he'll look at James. Look at the safety, look at the corner, and kind of nod his head. Like you, you see it all the time with Jordy Nelson. How was he on the same page with Jordy Nelson for so long? How was he on the same page with James Jones for so long, right? And and all these players that that made a difference, even Greg Jennings to a certain extent, right? Greg Jennings was just too too emotional. He was too uh, sensitive, you should say, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. I think it's important. So, speaking of Romeo Dobbs, let's do this. Let's look at his statistics, okay? And I'm not going to compare it across the league. I'm just going to compare it kind of in this in this nutshell, this bowl of the Green Bay Packers, right? Um, I went to the receiving stats for the Green Bay Packers, and we're going to sort it here, and we're going to start off by games played. First of all, you can't make the club in the tub. The most important ability is availability and accountability, those two things. That's Bill Belichick 101, right? That was Bill Walsh 101, Bill Belichick 101. I don't care how talented a player is. I don't care how much natural talent you have. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much studying you do. If you cannot stay on the field, you are not valuable to the team, period. It sounds cold, especially when someone has a bad injury, but that is football. That's the business of football. It goes both ways, right? It's why I love to see a player rewarded when they do something good. But Romeo Dobbs of the receiving core, he is tied in the lead. He has played in every single game this year for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, let's uh, pop over to this other tab real quick. Receiving, receptions. He leads the team with 19 receptions. This is a rookie, guys. Rookie, late round pick. Targets. He leads the Green Bay Packers in targets. Yards, he leads the Green Bay Packers in yards, 184 to 174 over Adam, Adam Lazard. Now, Adam Lazard's played one less game, right? But still, he's he's leading in yardage there. This is our rookie wide receiver. I love it, man. Touchdowns, tied for the lead with Alan Lazard with two. Guys, there is nobody on draft night when Romeo Dobbs was drafted that they said, 
Romeo Dobbs is the real deal. This is a guy who's going to emerge as a as a number two receiver, possibly a number one target for Aaron Rodgers. Right? Nobody said it. I mean, he's he's second on the team in big plays um, with three. Uh, Alan Lazard's got four. Right? He's averaging roughly forty six yards per game. Now, here's the big thing: he's fumbled twice. Right? He's fumbled twice, and he leads the receivers and fumbles. Aaron Jones, it looks like a receiving wise, you know, he fumbled once after a catch and then Randall Cobb did as well. So got to get that cleaned up. But I just wanted to point that out because right now, Romeo Dobbs is the number one target for the Green Bay Packers, right? And you're probably going, yeah, okay, well, he's got the numbers. What's PFF say? <clears throat> Let's look at it. And to me, this this number is more exciting than if it was through the roof. If it was through the roof, I'd be going, okay, when's he going to plateau? When's he going to come back to where he normally should be? Because it's so rare that someone comes out like a Justin Jefferson, right, and has the year that he had. But Romeo Dobbs grades out overall as a 66.7. His receiving grade is a 66.3, right? And we ain't going to talk about the rushing grade because they haven't used him in the running game. I think, I think he's only got one carry. He's averaging 11 yards carry, though. The dude just, when he gets the ball, he makes things happen, right? Like I said, 24 targets, 19 receptions, 184 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Here's a cool stat. According to PFF, I didn't look at the other the other website there, but according to PFF, Romeo Dobbs has zero drops this year. He's averaging 9.7 yards per reception, yards after catch per reception, six and a half, and his passer rating when targeted. Aaron Rodgers' QB rating, his passer rating, when he, when he targets Romeo Dobbs is 126.4. That is freaking awesome. That's absolutely awesome. So PFF puts him at 66.7. You guys remember we talked about Jair Alexander. You know, we talked about these past players who who might grade in the 60s. To me, that's if you finish the season graded in the 60s as a rookie and you had substantial playing time, that's a sign that this guy's going to be a good pro. Maybe not a great pro, right? Maybe not elite, but he's at least going to be a good pro. He's, he's on the right track, right? And that's what we're seeing with Romeo Dobbs. It's exciting. So I, I've heard a lot of buzz around him. And what I wanted to do with this podcast, this episode, was just kind of take a second and look. Go, okay, what? how is he really playing according to PFF? How is he really playing according to the statistics compared to the other receivers on the team? And the guy's been great. I think Alan Lazard is still wide receiver number one. I'm telling you, that third and 10 early in the third quarter against the Patriots that I broke down on Chalk Talk, that play right there told me everything I needed to know about Alan Lazard. He is capable of being the number one receiver. Let's keep him on the field. Let's keep him healthy. And he and Aaron Rodgers are going to have a big year. Now, what sucks is Alan Lazard at the end of the year probably going to enter free agency and get paid. Unless, of course, someone doesn't value him the way the Packers do. You know, me and Ryan talked about that on a past pod, um, and I could see that too. But I would love to see him as a Green Bay Packer, but if he does have a blow-up year, he's going to go out and get his money, and rightfully so, right? I'm not one of these fans that's like, oh, man, I just want to stay with the Packers. He shouldn't be selfish. He should take a pay cut to stay here. That's that's BS. Everybody should have the opportunity to make the maximum amount of money possible. I mean, Kenny Galladay in New York, my God. I think he's on the hook this year for 30-some million dollars the Giants are for his contract, and he's played hot garbage the entire time. I'm not mad at Kenny Galladay. you got to be mad at that GM up there. I think they ran him out of town finally, but that's who you should be mad at, not the player. Everybody's out there to try to make as much as they can while they can, right? So, anyway, that's how I feel about Romeo Dobbs. Just want to look at the numbers and kind of give you guys an idea of how that's sitting. So, what we're going to do now 
is uh, we're going to take us a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to cover uh, the uh, the injury report. We're going to hit on it one last time, and then we're going to move on to the standings, kind of give you an idea of how the league's shaking out, as well as the NFC North, and then look at the, the next four games for the Packers and kind of project how many wins do we see them happen in the second quarter of the year. Because, again, I, I break every season down into four-game increments. And uh, I think if you really key in on that, like Matt LaFleur said, like Michael Lombardi said, it's something that Bill Walsh always used to do, uh, reading you know some of the, the books that were written around him, is you got to kind of break the season down into these many seasons to put yourself in a position and, and, and really not hold back in key situations and know when to put your foot on the gas. And, all right, now's the time to open up the playbook completely. We really need a win here. Okay, let's tone it back a little bit. We might not be able to show too much to opponents and – and still come away with a win. There's that that little chess match is going on every single year, and I think it's very very important. So uh, yeah. With that being said, let's take this quick commercial break. When we get back, we'll uh, we'll dive into some more info. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right. So let's do this. Let's look at um, the uh, the injury report going into the New York Giants game. You know, I'm not going to read all of them off because a lot of them have a dash now, and they, they're going to be – they're basically full participation. They're going to be playing in the game. I'm just going to hit on the ones that are questionable and out, okay? And on the Green Bay Packers side, um, Adrian Amos, to me – it's the best news possible. You know, he didn't participate on Wednesday. He did on Thursday and Friday, and uh, he's listed as questionable now. You know, if there's a game that you want to miss, this is probably it against the Giants. So you don't want to see happen to Adrian Amos what happened to Tua. You know, Tua's kind of in an awkward place now. you got all these quarterbacks that are making a ton of money now, right? Everybody's kind of, you know, they're really, really cashing in on their play. And now two is sitting here with you know back-to-back concussion weeks because he got rushed back. In my opinion, I, I listened to a uh, a podcast with Chris Chris Nowinski, I think is how you say his name, and it was on the Andrew Brandt podcast. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I just take that stuff real serious when it comes to concussions. And you know, two is in a situation where he he may play this week. He might not play the rest of the year. It just depends on what the neurological tests are showing. And you don't want to see that with Adrian Amos, right? But he is questionable. That's a great sign that all signs are pointing to he's fine. And to the best of my knowledge, Adrian Amos hasn't been one of those players that's been very, very vulnerable to concussions. You know, not that anyone can't get a concussion at any point, right, Um, with the way the game's played. But 
you know, it is what it is. So Adrian Amos listed as questionable. Tariq Carpenter, safety, listed as questionable. He's been limited all week long. He's got an ab injury. Um, and then you got Devontae Wyatt. He's listed as questionable. He's got a quad uh, a quadricep injury. He was limited on Wednesday, didn't practice on Thursday, didn't practice on Friday. My guess is Devontae Wyatt will be ruled out for this game. There's a chance that Tariq Carpenter and Amos are active, although I wouldn't be surprised if they are inactive. Jair Alexander, full participation. He's going to play, and David Bakhtiari is going to play uh, from what I heard on Twitter. So that's good news. Let's move on to the Giants. Um, out for this game, you've got Flott, the DB. He's out. You've got Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver I mentioned. Knee injury, he's out. Um, you go down to uh, Henry, uh, I think it's Mondo is how you say his name. He is a defensive lineman, ankle injury. He's out for the game. Um, you've got Ojolari, the linebacker, calf injury. He's out. Wondell Robinson, knee injury, wide receiver. He's out. Tyrod Taylor, their backup quarterback, is out. Kadarius Toney, wide receiver, hamstring. He's out. And then you got Leonard Williams, a defensive lineman with a knee injury. He's questionable. If Leonard Williams doesn't play in this game, to me, this is the key. If Leonard Williams doesn't play in this game, I think the Packers more than cover that that eight-point spread. I don't know where the lines are at now. We're not going to talk about it on this pod. But, yeah, Leonard Williams is one of the keys to this game. And you're probably going, it's the Giants, Clayton. There's no way they can beat the Packers. Bet me. I've seen weirder things, right? And uh, you've got to respect every single opponent every single Sunday. But the one that you're probably going, we didn't mention Daniel Jones. All right, here's why. The ankle injury, he was limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, full participation on Friday. It was announced, I think, by Ian Rappaport, Daniel Jones will be playing in this game. Okay, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. I'm not even saying he's a good quarterback. But I do know this. This offense has been molded around him, right? And if for some reason Daniel Jones goes down with that ankle injury and he, you know, he gets knocked out of the game early and he can't finish, right? Which, in my opinion, I think I read a stat that the only three sacks, I can't remember which player it was, I, I tweeted it out. The only three sacks that a uh, a player had earlier this year, an edge rusher, was off Evan Neal, who plays right tackle for the New York Giants. Well, guess where Rashawn Gary's lining up for the majority of the game? On the right tackle. You know, we've seen Rashawn Gary switch to, you know, the opposite side of the field and face the left tackle a little bit this year. When you hear that he's going up against a rookie offensive tackle who's been struggling against, you know, great pass rushers, it makes you think, take advantage of that mismatch. But you know what Bill Belichick would do in this situation? Kind of like how he puts his number one corner on the number two receiver and he double teams the number one receiver, you know, it's kind of, that's how he, he takes that approach. I'm going to put my second and third best corner on their best wide receiver. I'm going to put my best corner in single coverage on their number two. Now you absolutely 100% force the quarterback to go to his third target on a consistent basis, whether it's a tight end or the, you know, the, the third receiver of an 11 personnel play, right? That's how he looks at it. What if we move some guys around a little bit and put Rashawn Gary against their left tackle, who seems to be a little bit stronger as far as performance on the field as it sits right now than Evan Neal, and put our best edge rusher on one of their stronger points and continue to get pressure there, and allow someone like, let's say, Kenny Clark, not necessarily all the way out on the edge, but scheme up something where he can get some pressure off the right side, right, you know, over the right tackle, or put Preston Smith over there a little bit. I know it all depends on which side of the formation is strong, which side of the formation the tight end is going to line up on. That's kind of what 
uh, you know, uh, what dictates or determines how Joe Barry's defense lines up. I get that. Just something to think about. If you see Larry or Gary on the left side um, at some point in this game, I wouldn't be surprised. That's probably what they're trying to do. But above all things, guys, the number one goal here is stop the run. <clears throat> We've got to load the box against Saquon Barkley. We've got Daniel Jones is throwing to a bunch of Joes out there at wide receiver right now. And we have got to take advantage of it, right? Load the box, do everything you can to slow down Saquon Barkley, both in the passing game too. You got to watch it. Saquon is really, really, uh, uh, I don't know. He's, he's a very, very good target in the passing game as well. He's a weapon there, right? So you've got to really, really pay attention to Saquon Barkley in this game. You remember week one, I said the number one, uh, you know, role in the, in the game plan against the Vikings should be stop Justin Jefferson. Make them beat you with someone else other than Justin Jefferson. I'm not talking about just put Jair Alexander man up on him. Guys, anyone who's saying that does not understand this Joe Barry defense. And anyone who thinks, well, it's worth just changing up for one game, guys, this is already installed. You can't just on the fly go, yeah, you know what, guys, let's just throw Jair over there. It doesn't work that way. But what I wanted to see them do is bracket cover him in their zone defense and leave themselves vulnerable on Thielen's side. Leave themselves vulnerable on Irv Smith Jr.'s side, right? And take away Justin Jefferson. Pre-snap, make Kirk Cousins look at Justin Jefferson and go, there's no way I can get the ball to him there, right? Those are the type of things you've got to do. We didn't do that in Minnesota and it bit us in the rear end. Now, a lot of the problems were miscommunication, and Ryan's done a great job breaking it down and the details and how, you know, without those two or three big plays that were blown coverages, that game is totally different, right? And I, I honestly think we will beat the Vikings the next time we play them pretty handedly. I think that things are slowly getting cleaned up. But you got to learn from that mistake, and let's really key in on Saquon Barkley and take him out of the game. Daniel Jones is not going to be mobile like he normally is. I mean, he'll he'll still be able to move around, but with that sore ankle, they're going to shoot it up with something and, and get him out there on the field. But we have got to do something to stop Saquon Barkley. I don't care if it's – I've seen somebody online, they say, I, break out a 4-4 defense. <laughs> hey, I'm all about it. Put an extra backer out there. You know what I'm saying? Put whoever, Isaiah McDuffie, throw him out there. Load that freaking box and make Daniel Jones beat you with the pass. This is the game to do it. Now, Greg Cosell, and you've heard me talk about it over and over and over, he talks about how teams in the league are willing to allow teams to run on them rather than give up the pass, but I think that's in kind of a normal scenario. This is a different game here. I mean, this is the first time on London soil there have been two teams that had a winning record play each other. But when you look at the Giants and you dig deeper, they don't feel like a 3 and one team. Now, if they come out and beat the Packers, next week I'll go, hey, they were a three-and-one team, <laughs> right? But as it sits right now, all the information I've looked at, especially with the injury report, they don't feel I don't feel like we're going to be facing, you know, a top-tier team going into this game. So speaking of top-tier teams, let's do this. Let's kind of look at what's going on across the league. Okay. And let's start in the AFC. We'll be real quick. As it sits right now, I'm sorry, let's let's start on the NFC North first. Let's talk about how the North is lining up for the Packers. The Vikings are in first place at 3-1, and one, right? Now, obviously, the Packers are 3-1 and one as well, but the Vikings have the tiebreaker. They beat us head-to-head, and I won't dig into all the tiebreakers, but essentially, the Vikings are leading the North right now. So it's Vikings at 3-1, at one, Packers at 3-1, and one, Chicago Bears are sitting at 2-2, two and two, and the Detroit Lions are at 1-3. and three. Right. It's amazing how the media has talked about Detroit this year. They're talking about them like they're a powerhouse. 
they got the best offense in the game and this and that. I mean, they have. They've they've scored 140 points this year. To put that into perspective, the Packers have only scored 75, right? But they've given up 141 points. <laughs> um, if you hear the media talk about the Lions, man, you'd be thinking, holy cow, they they must be, you know, three and one. Now nah, they're only one and three. So that's how the North sits right now. Vikings at three and one, Packers at three and one, Bears at two and two, Lions at one and three. All right. But let's take a step, take it a step further. And let's look at the conferences. Real quick in the AFC, if the playoffs were to start today, and I know we're only four games in, but you got to kind of keep your keep keep a view on this and uh, you know, keep all right, keep eyes on the conferences and which teams are kind of putting themselves in a position to be in it here at the end, right? In the AFC, the division leaders are Miami would be the number one seed um, out of the AFC East. Kansas City out of the AFC West would be the number one or the number two seed at three and one. They're both three and one. The next team will be the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South at two and two, and the Cleveland Browns in the uh, AFC North at two and two. Isn't that funny? Like you, you kind of hear people talk about the Browns. You think they're having a bad year, and right now they're leading their division. That's wild. The wild card teams right now would be Buffalo at three and one. You know, the best team in the history of the National Football League is kind of how the media has talked about them this year. They're a wild card team right now, <laughs> and the Cincinnati Bengals at two and two would be the other wild card team. So that's how that sits right now. Number one seed, Miami. Number two seed, Kansas City. Number three seed, Jacksonville Jaguars. Number four seed, uh, Cleveland Browns. Number five seed, Buffalo Bills. Number six seed, uh, Cincinnati uh, Bengals there. So that's kind of how that sits right now. Let's move on to the NFC. With the NFC, you have the Philadelphia Eagles as the number one seed. They're sitting at 4-0. and The Minnesota Vikings at the number two seed sitting at 3-1. and Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the three seed with two and two. San Francisco 49ers at the four seed with two and two. Then you've got the Dallas Cowboys in the five seed at three and one. The sixth seed is the New York Giants at three and one. And then the Green Bay Packers at three and one, um, sitting in the seven spot right now. So this game here against the Giants, as silly as it sounds, guys, if the Packers beat the Giants in London, then they're going to jump over the New York Giants and they're now going to be right there behind Dallas as the sixth seed, okay? So we're about to climb into playoff contention, right? This is this is what's so funny about doing this early in the year. You know, you see the Packers at 3-1, and one and you hear about all the 2-2 two and two teams. You think, oh, man, we're, we're good to go. It's going to be a great year, right? you got to really pay attention to, to how the other teams are falling into place. So that's kind of how that sits. This is a big game. The Packers need to go over there and win. I don't expect them to win by double digits. I really don't. I hope it happens. I could see it happening, but I'm thinking this is going to be right around what the line says. Somewhere between anywhere from four to nine point difference is kind of the way I see this game. That's just, uh, you know, especially with Daniel Jones playing. If Daniel Jones wasn't playing, it'd be a to- totally different ball game, right? So, um, yeah, so that's how the standings sit. Like I said, I just wanted to kind of hit on that and give you an idea of, okay, here's how the standings look. Now you're thinking, okay, who do we have coming up, right? Who do we have coming up on the schedule? And how do we see it going? So let's go ahead and look at the second quarter of the year. Let's look at the next four games, right? How are the next four games going to play out? Well, tomorrow morning, 9.30 a.m., we get to kick off in London against the Giants, right? Then next week, we've got a 1 o'clock kickoff from Lambeau against the New York Jets, okay? Then the following week, we've got a 1 o'clock kickoff at the Washington Commanders. And then the following week, October 30th, we've got – uh, the uh, 820 kickoff primetime game 
at the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so let's look at those. We're sitting at three and one. We just talked about the standings, right? Let's say we go get a dub with the New York Giants. We're now four and one, and unless unless the Dallas Cowboys lose, we're probably sitting in the sixth seed right then, as it sits right now. We go into or we have the New York Jets come into Lambeau. New York Jets are playing pretty decent. Like they're not horrible, right? They're not they're not the Jets of last year. That's for darn sure, right? But I think I feel pretty comfortable saying the Packers should win that game, right? So now we're at five and one. We go to the Washington Commanders. The, the Washington Commanders are it's crazy how much talent they have on that team. You got McLaurin at wide receiver. You've got a uh, you know uh, uh, Chase off the edge there with uh, you know with you know God, I can't think of his name right now. I'm, I'm drawing a blank there, but the great edge rusher, right? At least he was coming out of college. You've got a pretty solid defense. There's a couple guys in the middle. I haven't looked at the roster yet, but I know there's one or two anchor points of that defensive line. It's really, really strong. And somehow they went out and got Carson Wentz, who is just as irresponsible with the football as any quarterback in the entire National Football League. And when you talk about turnover differential, what's the matchups I look at when it comes to two teams facing? I look at head coach to head coach. Mark, you know, when you look at Coach Rivera with Washington, everybody loves him, right? He's a great guy. He's a leader of men, all those things. He's a minority coach, which I absolutely love. But, you know, it's funny. Nobody talks about him being a minority coach, and he has been for so long. It amazes me how it doesn't matter, but that's a story for a different day. But people look at him like he's this, you know, top 10 coach in the league. When you look at his overall record, and I don't have it pulled up, it's really bad. If you remove two seasons that he had, like he is a horrible head coach as far as record goes. So head coach to head coach, Matt LaFleur, I'm going to say it. I'm going to beat this drum over and over and over because it's a fact. It's the truth. And when people like Michael Lombardi just shun it and put it to the side, oh, well, he's got Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur is the all-time winningest head coach in the history of the NFL. I'm going to say that again and explain what I mean. Of every single coach who's ever coached in the National Football League, over 100 years of football being played, Coach Matt LaFleur for the Green Bay Packers <clears throat> has the highest winning percentage of all head coaches in the history of the game. Now, going into this year, people it's a small sample size. We need, okay, at what point do we acknowledge it then? Does he got to win 100 games before it gets acknowledged? because that's, that's not what's happened with other young coaches. Kyle Shanahan, look at what he's done without Jimmy G. Kyle Shanahan is not as good a coach as people make him out to be. I think he's a great offensive mind, but for whatever reason, he is not a great head coach, okay? And some, some people are listening to my voice going, well, he beat the Packers, yeah, any given Sunday, right? But Matt LaFleur against Coach Rivera, I'm taking Matt LaFleur. Number two, quarterback to quarterback. I mean, it's laughable. I mean, it's not even freaking close. Aaron Rodgers or Carl, Carson Wentz? Who would you take? And that, that's how I love to ask that question. When they go, oh, well, I don't know. Okay, you you got to start a franchise right now, and you've got both these players, right? Actually, not even start a franchise. You've got one season to try to win a Super Bowl. You're going to pick between Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. Who are you taking? There's your answer. you got to pick between head coaches. One season, Matt LaFleur, Coach Rivera. I'm going Matt LaFleur. And now look at the edge and the edge protection. Are you taking their edge over our edge, right? 
And there's probably an argument to be made there with, you know, how Preston Smith, like Ryan was talking about, his play has kind of dropped off a little bit the last few games. Came out, I believe it was in week one or week two and had an awesome game and kind of fell off since then. The edge, I kind of feel like, is close to being a push. Might tilt in uh, the Packers' direction. If Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari were playing like their normal self and not players coming off ACL rehabs, I would say absolutely we have the advantage on the edges. But as it sits right now, I would say it's kind of close to a push there. Okay, Let's just be conservative. So with that being said, we've got two of the three of the recipe the Packers have the advantage there against the Commanders. Why did I break that game down a little bit more? I don't know. I just, I, as I'm thinking it out in my mind, is that really a win? That's a win in my opinion. So we come into this game sitting at three and one. We beat the Giants. We're at four and one. We beat the Jets. We're at five and one. We beat the Commanders. We're at six and one. We're going into Buffalo with a ton of momentum, and the Packers are sitting at six and one. Again, listen to me. I'm not saying those these next three games are slam dunk wins. Okay, I'm not saying that. If I had to put money on it as it sits right now, if I had to bet the farm, am I taking the Packers or the Giants? I'm taking the Packers. Am I taking the Packers or the Jets? I'm taking the Packers. Am I taking the Packers or the Commanders? I'm taking the Packers, even on the road, right? So we go into the Buffalo game sitting at 6-1. and one. I'm not going to BS you. I said this in the offseason. I was amazed at how many people on our show – when we did kind of the round table predicting the schedule and all that stuff, I was amazed at how many people kind of looked at this Buffalo game like, oh, the Packers should handle them. I was like, I don't know, dude. Buffalo, let's look at head coach to head coach, Matt LaFleur or McDermott. To me, it's kind of a push. McDermott, you, some people would argue he's had just as much, if not more success, especially in the postseason, than Matt LaFleur, right? So let's call that a push. Quarterback to quarterback. If you're If you're starting a team and you need one season of play, Right? Are you taking Aaron Rodgers or are you taking Josh Allen? That's tough, right? <laughs> I I want to say Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, when you see how Josh Allen can take over a ball game, especially when the offense is molded around what they can do very well, Greg Cosell pointed out that they 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 don't run the ball much, but they love to show run heavy looks, right? And they show a run heavy look and then pass out of it. They show a spread look and Josh Allen will tuck it and run. There's a lot goes into that offense that's not what this show's about right now this episode but when you break that down uh, quarterback to quarterback I would say a push but I might give the slot edge to Aaron Rodgers okay but let's call it a push so there's two pushes there head coach to head coach and then um, quarterback to quarterback let's look at the edge you've got Rashawn Gary right and you've got on their side Von Miller who are you taking one season are you, for for this season, who would you draft at edge? Doesn't matter how young Gary is. Doesn't matter how old Von Miller is. We're talking about the here. We're talking about the now. Who would you take? Right? Probably, I'm probably going Von Miller there. So they've got the edge there. Right? So some would argue LaFleur is the better head coach. I can see that argument. I can also see the argument for the other side with McDermott and what he's done with that Bills franchise that was in absolute dismay when he took over. Right? So I think it's a push with the coaches. I think it's a, a push, maybe a lean toward Aaron with the quarterback. And then I think it's a definite win for the Bills at edge as it sits right now with the way Von Miller's playing. Okay. So, and especially with our tackles, if David Bakhtiari was peak David Bakhtiari, I'd feel a lot better with Von Miller coming off that edge. But we know Box just not quite there yet. And who who expects him to be with everything he's gone through with that knee? So with the way the Bills sit, if I had to bet the farm, 
just a money line bet. Who's going to win that game? I'll probably go with the Bills as it sits right now. A lot of things can change in three weeks. A lot of injuries can happen. The Bills may come out the next two weeks, go flat, and say, well, the league caught on to them. Could happen. And I may change my mind by the time the game kicks off there on October 30th at 820. But as it sits right now, I kind of have that one as a loss. So I have them going, looky here, three and one over the next four games, which means they're going to be, what, they're sitting at three and one right now, so they're going to be at six and two going into the third quarter of the season. That's pretty exciting, guys. After that, you've got the Lions, you've got the Cowboys, the Titans, then the Eagles. Gets a little bit tough in there. There's some good head coaches. There's some good uh, quarterback play right now. The Eagles are playing lights out. Uh, we don't want to get into that. We'll break that down once we finish the next four games. But that's kind of how I see it. Guys, that's pretty exciting to think that we're going into the third quarter of the season, sitting at 6-2. and two. I'd be very happy with that. Then you got it. That's when, it, like I said, it gets a little bit shaky. If you go through this entire schedule, um, you know, for the remaining part of this schedule, I kind of see it as the Packers winning 12 games. And that's exactly what I started with going into the season, which is hilarious. Because I said Minnesota was going to be a loss. I said Tampa was going to be a loss, and I changed it to a win later, you know, when we got a little bit closer to the season. And uh, it, it was either that or vice versa. I just know I was real shaky on that. But the fact that we got that win in Tampa – and then you go up into New England and get that win too. And, and I know they're banged up. They didn't have their starting quarterback, all that stuff. Hey, that's that's the that's why we say availability and accountability, right? Is the most important things when it comes to this game. So um, yeah, that's that's pretty uh pretty cool, man. Looking like we've got a great shot. It's not a slam dunk, but we got a really, really, really good shot at going six and two heading into the halfway point of the season. And I know it's not completely halfway with the extra game, but you get what I'm saying. It's a lot easier to break it down into four-game increments. So uh, Packers are putting themselves in a position to be in the running for that number one seed. And it's funny because we just looked at it and they're the number seven seed technically right now, right? But uh, it's it's early in the year, but I, I don't think it's ever too early to kind of look ahead and say, okay, what do we have coming up? And, uh, you know, it being a Saturday, there's not a whole lot going on. The injury report's out. We already covered that. Everything's kind of set for the game. You guys are ready for an early morning kickoff tomorrow. And um, just wanted to kind of project ahead and look at that. So I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, but we're going to do it. Um, as we wrap up the show here, I'm heading out to Lexington. I'm going to be leave, leaving here in just an hour, hour or two. Yeah, hour and a half, we're going to hit the road. Get to go see my beautiful baby niece. I'm so excited to see Allie. She's, oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. Um Reminds me so much of my mama. Uh, you know, my mama's been gone for uh, a couple years now, and as soon as Wendy sent me pics of uh, of that precious little baby, I was like, man, that looks like mom made over again. It's so exciting. But uh, get to go up there and spend a couple hours with her. Then we're going to shoot up to Lexington, watch Kentucky-South Carolina play. Game's probably going to wrap up around 1030 Eastern time. I'm going to hop back in the car, drive four hours back. I'm going to get a nap, watch the game, and we're going to do the post-game show somehow, some way. So this is what I need from you listeners. Other than going to that posted tweet, that pinned tweet at the top of my page, and enter yourself into that contest and begin giving to that um, that that great cause, I need you guys not to judge me tomorrow for this post game show because I'm gonna tell you right now I'm gonna look like I'm gonna look like a Howard Mad Dog Clayton Bailey. That's my that's my pops. He was a biker. He's still alive. I say was, but he. He's still doing the thing somehow, some way. I'm talking about being 40 years old and struggling to work through a normal week, and he's out there running the roads all across the country on a Harley. Um, but uh, I'm going to look like him after a three-day binge, all right? So don't judge me on the uh, on the post-game show when we go live, all right? I'll try to have the hat pulled down over the eyes. I'm going to look like, uh, yeah, three days in jail, as they say. 
That's how bad I'm, I'm going to look like three days in jail. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, appreciate you hanging out with us. We never take it lightly. And again, let's go give to that cause. You guys have an awesome, awesome Saturday. Do me a favor. Go out and encourage somebody today. Find a stranger on the street and go, hey, you know what? You matter. Hope you have a good day. Love the shirt. Love, you know, whatever. Just pay somebody a compliment, a genuine compliment, and try to uplift somebody. There's, there's people out there on the street right now, guys, that are going through a lot of crap, right? And all it takes is one or two people just to lift them up, just to touch and let them know, hey, you know, I'm willing to take a couple seconds just to encourage somebody, you know, cause to give something else. Let's just go out and have a great day, man. You know, for, for lack of a better way of saying it, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pat, go. Just to go, the Peter, 17 to 14, Cowboys out in front, Star begins to